Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So, this morning, it is week three of our series called What If? How many of you have written down a couple of things on this series? Yet, come on. It's time for you to put your hand up. Say, yes, I've written down my dream. I've written down that the what if God can do something through my life. What if? Now, during this, this series, we've learned to discover the dream of God in our lives. And my prayer is that we will learn just how God created us so that we can reach our destiny, we can reach what God has called you to become. Now, the question we're looking at through this series is what if? What if? What if I can become a doctor? What if I can travel the world in 80 days? What if I had no limitations in my life? What if, what if I can reach my dreams? What if? It's a good question, isn't it? You see, if you start asking the what if question, your brain starts thinking and imagining and, and going beyond the place where, you're, where you limit yourself. And we don't want to limit ourselves because God doesn't limit us. Now, it's a story of a, of a wife who woke up one morning on the day of their anniversary. And she stretched out and said, Honey, I had the greatest dream. I had a dream where you gave me a pearl necklace on our anniversary. What do you think it means? And he looked at his wife and said, Well, honey, tonight you will know. And the day went by and she was so excited. Woo, we've got anniversary date tonight. It's going to be amazing. And this, oh, that afternoon he came back with a small package. And he gave her the package and says, Anniversary gift, and she's so excited, she's opening it, pull necklace, yes. She opened it, and it was a book that says, how to interpret your dreams. <laughs> Husbands don't do that. Now last week we looked at the definition of what is a dream? What is a dream? You see, a dream is not uh, just a normal nighttime subconscious dream that we all dream every night. No, no, I'm talking about a biblical dream. A biblical, godly dream that God has given us. Now, here's the, the small definition that we looked at last week. A biblical dream is a God-given inner picture in your mind and heart of what you were created to be and to do. Have you thought about that? What is that inner picture, that inner dream that God has given you to become and to do what God has called you to do? See, it's important to remember that we are not defined by our past. We are called to define our future. Remember that. I'm going to repeat that every week. We are not called to be defined by our past, but we are called to define the future. I want to define the future. You are all called to define the future as you step out of your house every morning. I'm ready to define the future. Look what Paul said in Philippians 3, and this is our core scripture. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward of, to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Powerful scripture. You see, dreams are the fuel for our existence. It is. 
They are the fire, the passion that gets you out of bed every morning. And maybe I should ask the question, what gets you out of bed every morning? Is there a dream, a passion, a fire that helps you to stand up and say, this is what I'm going to do today. God's going to do something amazing. You see, dreams are like magnets that draws you into your destiny. It draws you in. It draws you to reach the God-given potential that lies within you. Now, it's like dreams to raise a godly family where you can lead your children and train them every day. It's like dreams to build a powerful business where you can grow people and, and, and aim for excellence every day. Maybe it's like dreams to run a marathon that, that, <laughs> that keep you getting out of bed in the morning when it's hot, cold and the weather is bad and it's rainy. That kind of dreams. You see, dreams of being a woman or man of God that keeps us in His presence and in His Word. See, but when our dream is seeing our God-given potential fulfilled, that is that what God uses to keep us on track. Keeps us on track to our destiny. What keeps you on track to your destiny? God came to Abram, you remember? And He said, Abram, I'm going to show you a picture to make sure you keep holding on to your dreams. He said, come out of your tent. Look at the stars. As many stars have you seen, that's how many people I'm going to give as your, your inheritance. I'm going to make you the father of nations. But I want you to see a picture to know that I can't stop dreaming. Joseph had a dream. He had a picture. And that picture kept him on track. It kept him on track. Although he went through some types of trials in his journey, he had a picture, and that picture gave him hope, and it gave him a passion for the future. What picture do we keep in front of us? I remember when I was running, I had a big poster on my wall, um, empty, and I wrote the times that I wanted to run. And every morning I woke up, I saw the picture. I saw the picture that kept holding on to that dream. Remember last week we ended up with Habakkuk 2 that says, write the vision down so that you can see it and run with it. You see, we see time and time again how God gives men and women dreams. God gives us dreams and that dream serves as an inspiration that keeps us on the path to our destiny. We need to keep that picture as close to us. Now, we all know that God is the creator, right? No doubt about it. God is the creator, and none of us can help God create. None of us can help God dream, because he's the dreamer for us. And if we put all the most brilliant minds in the world together in one room, they can't even come close to one creative idea that God has. Not even close. See, we are not the creator of dreams, but... We are the channels of God's dreams. We. You see, you're sitting here and think about this. I am. You are a channel of God's dream. Let that sink in. I thought about it this week and I thought, Lord, you are the most creative being that ever existed. And you dream dreams and you chose us as your channels. And then some of us take the dreams and we put it in our pockets and say, ah, not going to happen with me. So the question is, how do I become a better channel for God? How do I become a better channel for these dreams that God wants to dream through me? And here's the answer. Proverbs 4, 
verse 23. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. You see, it's super important to know that God's dream starts where? Within you. Remember last week we said that God planted a dream within us. We can do nothing to derail that, that dream because God planted it. We just need to run with it. God's dream starts within us. And when God made us, He stamped on our hearts a vision, a purpose of what He wanted to do through your life. Proverbs says here, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Everything that I feel and experience and know happens in my heart. You see, the heart is the hidden spring of our lives. It's the real you. It's the seedbed of our emotions. When the Bible speaks about your heart, it's our soul and our spirit combined. Listen to the scripture in 1 Samuel 16. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. No matter how you see life and how you think about life, the Lord doesn't see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at our hearts. And for this reason, God's dreams for us are many times held back. Why? Because it's rejected in our hearts. Ever thought why my dream never comes a reality? Well, so many times our dreams are rejected before God can do something. You see, dreams are rejected and on hold in the innermost being of an individual. Your innermost being, you reject that dreams because you think you're not worthy or you're not good enough. I can stand here today and tell you God's dreams for your life. I can tell you that God's dream for you is to be blessed and to prosper. I can tell you that, that God said you have a hope and a future and I can stand here and tell you that you can be free from addiction. You can be free from bondage. Why? Because that's God's dream for your life. That is. But it is not going to happen if you have an impure and unsurrendered heart towards Him. Because your heart connects you to God. And when your heart is unsurrendered and impure, God can do nothing. We press applause on, on what God wants to do through your life. And even though we believe that God has a dream for our life, it will be lost if we do not have a heart that surrendered to Him. Our heart, that's why, that's why the Scripture says, keep your heart with all diligence. Now the sad fact is, a stubborn heart cannot and will not possess a dream that God has given. It will stay dormant. It will stay passive. Because we are stubborn. We reject the dreams that God has given us. Now, the thing that most of the time can hold us back from God's dream is not external. And we always think, yeah, it's because of that situation and that person and, and these people doesn't want to appoint me and, and because of the external things in my life, my dream doesn't happen. But it's not. It's not a person. It's not an organization. It's not even a government. It is a heart of unbelief. Not believing that God can do this through my life. You see, it's from a heart that says, God can't use me. God wouldn't use me. Not a person like me. God can't do it. Ever heard that? See, we need to realize that if we don't deal with the issues in our heart, we will struggle to reach our dreams in our lives. 
Now let's look at a perfect example in the scripture. And I know I've, I've looked at this example many times and I've preached about this many times. But I want to look at it again today. I want to look at the man who had a dream but because of his stubborn, unbelieving heart, God couldn't do anything until he had to intervene. I'm talking about the man called Gideon. In Judges 6 verse 11. Let's read the story again and I, I truly hope that God opens something new for you today through this story. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an opera, which belonged to Joah the Abizurite, while his son Gibeon threshed wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him. Now this is not the angel anymore. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. See, God has already given him something. There was already a dream in his heart. God just said, Now go with the might of yours. That's what you already have. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O Lord, <laughs> how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Great story. One of my favorites. Now looking at Gideon, he was just an ordinary man, right? But he was an ordinary man with an extraordinary dream. He dreamed to be free. But Gideon and the Israelites were living in fear, absolute fear. They were in hiding, they were oppressed, they were living in bondage, afraid of the Midianites. That was their life. I mean, Gideon was sitting in a hole, pressing weed. It's not the place to do that. Now, all Gideon saw at that moment was a strong oppression against him. That's all Gideon saw. And instead of rising up as a man of God, he shrunk back because of a state of fear in his life. He just stepped back. Until the dream giver came for a visit. And he sat under a tree with him, first an angel, and then God turned to him. And the angel showed up. And he declared the dream that was in Gideon's heart. He just declared, declared the dream. It doesn't make sense if you listen to Gideon's stupid response. Because <laughs> it really is a stupid response. You see, God didn't see what was, what was Gideon doing at that moment. He, he wasn't seeing that. God saw the dream that he planted in Gideon's heart. That's what, what was what he was looking at. He didn't look at all the issues and all the stuff that Gideon saw. God just saw the dream that he planted in his heart. He didn't say, hey, come on, lazy, get up. Why are you thinking like this? What is wrong with you? That's not what God said. No, he said, I'm with you, you mighty man of valor. But unfortunately, Gideon allowed the external circumstances to define him. How many times do you let the external circumstances in your life define you? Many times. Many times we let the external stuff define us and it, it has an impact on the dream that God has for you. 
Because you look at the circumstances rather than the promise. You see, fear and insecurity had came upon him and it paralyzed his dream. But amazingly, if you read on through Judges 6 and 7 and 8, you see late in the story how God used Gideon mightily. He used him to liberate the entire nation, help thousands around him to reach their dreams. Because he didn't shrunk back, he stepped up. Now I want to look at, at this question. What held Gideon back? What held him back? What held him back from reaching that dream that God had for him? Good question, isn't it? Now we're going to look at four things. If you look through this passage, there's four things that stand out that blocked and paused and held Gideon back from reaching his dream. Well, let's look at the four. Number one is fear. Surprise, surprise. You see, fear is a natural instinct. Yes, it is. But it is also demonic. And I'll prove it to you. And many of the time, fear in our lives is more demonic than natural. Now, I know it's a na natural fear is good. It's like not walking over the highway when there's cars. Okay, not getting out of your car the Kruger National to pet the lions. I mean, that, that's natural fear. Then that's good. But the enemy wants irrational fear in our lives. Why? Because he wants to keep us from trusting God and to step out of this boat. See, Gideon was filled with fear and it locked up his dream. He couldn't do anything. He was so afraid that he couldn't even move. Now we all know this scripture so well, 2 Timothy 1.7, and here I'll prove you that fear is a spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He didn't say God give us, didn't give us fear. He, gave, he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us three much more powerful things, power, love, and a sound mind. The enemy's plan is so, so, I mean, the enemy's plan is to cripple you and to paralyze you with irrational fear in your life so that you won't move forward with the plan that God has for you. That's his plan. He just used fear. You remember why I heard a, a, a talk one, one day of a preacher who said, why do Songomas in, in Africa... If you walk into a Songoma, I haven't been to a Songoma, but they look scary. Everything is scary. Weird hair, and they, I mean, it's just a scary thing. Why? Because if they can evoke fear in your heart, there's an opening. They can oppress you, manipulate you. They just need fear. And if there's fear, they know there's no faith. And if there's no faith, there's oppression. There's doubt. See, that's the enemy's plan, to cripple you, to paralyze you. Fear causes us to pull back, to protect, to guard what we have. So that we don't trust God and step out and just like, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this dream. And on the other side of fear, you've got faith. And you know what faith says? What if? What if I can do this? What if I can become what I trust and know that God has called me to become. What if? Number two, commitment. So what about commitment is important? See, if you look at Gideon's story, we see that he struggled to commit himself to the dream. He really struggled. 
He just couldn't engage his dream. Why? Why couldn't Gideon just engage what he knew he had in his heart? That's the same with many of us today. We start to see and taste God's goodness and the dream of our lives, and then suddenly it seems so unattainable that we fail to commit to that dream. Come on, we all have been there. No, no, this is too unattainable. I can't do this. So I step back, but I've just tasted the beginning of God's goodness. I've just started to taste the goodness. No, it's going well with me. And I'm just going, no, but that's just the taste of it. God wants to do so much more in your life. Don't step back, but commit to this dream and trust Him. See, Gideon was caught in such a circle of doubt in his life. He couldn't pull through. He saw his circumstances instead of the call of God in his life. And then God had to intervene. He had to send an angel. He had to pitch up in Gideon's life because God had a plan for him to liberate people into their dreams. But he saw the circumstances instead of the call. Now in essence, Gideon said, God, you've got the wrong man. Sorry. Please check again. Can't be me. Ever been there? I've been there. (laughs) Many times. God, I think you've got the wrong person. God never makes a mistake. See, every time God wants to do something huge in our lives, this thing pops up. I'm not good enough. I can't lead this thing. I can't lead this business. I can't do it like they are doing it. But when we truly commit ourselves to God's dream for our lives, then the doubt and insecurity cannot match the truth of God. When I open the word, there's so much truth. And the doubt and insecurity cannot stand against the truth that God has given you. That's why prophetic word is so important. I save all my prophetic word. When the doubt and the insecurity comes in, I just put that thing on so that the enemy and me can listen. So devil, I just want you to listen to this. <laughs> I am called. I am this. This is what God has said to me 10 years ago already. So get, get behind me. You know what Jesus did? Look at Jesus. Jesus was tempted in the desert. And verse Matthew 4, verse 9 to 10, it says, And he said to him, All these things I will give to him. This is the enemy, the Satan. All, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. But then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written and forever remains. I love that. It forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil, what did he, what did he do? Did he stay? No, no, he left. And the angels came and ministered to him. I love this scripture. The next verse after that says, And Jesus went back in power. There was a powerful moment when he stepped up and said, You've got nothing against me. There's a dream that God had. You see, Jesus was committed to his goal. He was committed to the dream that God had for him, Father God to come and liberate the earth. We need to commit to the dream, to what God has given us. Number three, self-image. Now Gideon had a bad (laughs) self-image. Why did I say that? He said, God, I'm the youngest of my tribe. 
And by the way, our tribe is the weakest of them all. How can you use me? No, I'm, I must be the wrong guy. He had a bad self-image. And when we go through battles, we sometimes want to remind God, <laughs> we're not able to do this. Lord, you don't know my weakness, Lord. This is not me. I can't do these things. But God created you. He created me. He created us. And if there's anyone who knows, if anyone who knows the true potential of, of us, of you and me, it is God. But sometimes we want to negotiate. And God just said, that's how I made you. Mark 9 verse 23. Look at this. Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Only believe. See, God uses people that have faith in him. God uses people that believe in the power of their dreams. Do you believe in the power of your dream? Maybe you should dream bigger. I, I caught myself this week and I thought, Henny, what is your dream? I thought, Lord, I've got a lot. I've, and, and, and I realized I haven't looked at my book in a long time because been, it's been so part of my life. And I opened my book again. It's like, oh, done, done, done. Time for new dreams. And I started writing again and I realized, Lord, but whew, this is challenging. Come on. This is challenging for me. And I realized, but Henny, this is what God has called me to do. It's supposed to be challenging so that it can be a bigger testimony for God. So write down their dreams. See, God is not looking for perfect persons. He's not looking for those. No, no, He's looking for broken vessels. All of us are broken vessels. And God uses us to do incredible things through our lives. We just need to believe in His power through our lives. See, God used David, small boy, 15 years old, to kill a giant. God used Paul, a murderer, to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God used Mary, a teenager, to be the mother of Jesus. God used Peter, and he failed many, many, many times. But God used him. See, God uses people powerfully if they can believe what God can do through them. What do you believe? Where's your dream? Is your dream aligned to your belief and your faith? See, we look at our weakness, but God looks at the dream He placed in our hearts. That's what God looks at. And I pray a lot, say, Lord, help me to see the dream that you have for my life the way you see it, Lord. Because if I'm going to see it the way I want to see it, I'm going to fail. But I need to see it the way you see me. The way you see and dream about me, Father. I want to see that. And then number four is unforgiveness. Now this is a big one. And as a pastor through my life of 25 years of ministry, I've seen many people reach their dreams. Many. And it's amazing. I love celebrating with them. But on the other hand, I've also seen many people whose dreams are on pause. Just dormant, pause, nothing happening. It's been held back. It's locked up. And the truth is that there's nothing that keeps us from, from reaching our dreams more than unforgiveness. You might ask, but Henny, what does unforgiveness have to do with me reaching my dreams? Come on. Everything. 
We've seen it. It's all about the condition of our heart. Remember? Guard your heart with everything. There is nothing that can shut down your heart quicker than unforgiveness. Closed. If you harbor unforgiveness in your life, God cannot move forward with the dream in your heart, in your life. Look at Ephesians 4. And I'm reading from a Passion Translation. It says, Be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. So it might be hard for us to see this, but forgiveness is one of the largest keys to reach your dreams. To walk in constant forgiveness with people. Not let offense come into your heart because it's like a fortified city. Not even God's presence can come into your life if you harbor offense. Unforgiveness. If you are here today and maybe you're listening to this sermon and, and, and your dreams have been on pause, your dreams have been locked up and on hold, this might be the reason. And I want us to finish today, and, and I'm going to finish with this, and we're going to have communion together. But not together as families together today. I want us all individually to take communion today. And bring this before God and say, Lord, here's my dream. Is there any unforgiveness in my heart towards anyone? I want to settle it today. Me and you. I want to take this communion and I want to break that stronghold that the enemy has on me. That no fear, no lack of commitment, no lack of self-image, and no unforgiveness can hold me back from what you have called me to dream and to live that dream. Amen. Can we do that? So let's, you can welcome to stand up to communionists at the back. And let's have communion this morning and then I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that as we had communion this morning, Lord, as we remembered the cross, Father, where every unforgiveness, every power of the enemy was broken. And you have set us free on that cross so that we can be free, Father. No other reason. Free from sin and guilt and shame. And Lord, you've placed us in a place of authority with Jesus. And when you look at us, Father, you see Jesus. And when you look at us, you see the dreams that you're dreaming about us and have for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are in control of every life. And Lord, we give you every control, Lord. Help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. When we see something, when we experience something, and something is holding us back, Lord, show us. Help us to, to nail that thing down quicker than, than later, Father, so that we will not be held back, but we will step forward for what you, in, in what you have given us, Father. Lord, I pray your joy over us this week. Lord, I pray your, your favor and your goodness over us this week. Lord, as we dream further, as we see more of who you are in our lives, Father. And, and Lord, that when we ask what if, Lord, that there will be excitement in our hearts of what you can do in our lives. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.